Okay, this is Spontaneous Miracles. And today I have with me Andrew Murnane. Hi, Andrew. Hey, Leonard. How are you? I'm doing good. I actually like how, how your videos, how you present your videos on TikTok. You have half a million followers on TikTok. And your other podcast, it's really fresh because I think there's a lot of perspective that's fresh in there and it's i really appreciate it thank you for putting it out there yeah of course yeah thank you i i appreciate that but uh yeah when you say fresh like that it is something i try to to stick to in that sense i guess like every everything i've ever shared is simply things that have helped me like i don't have necessarily a goal of helping people i just share things that have helped me figuring if they've helped me, they'll probably at least help one other person. And that's really my goal at the end of the day. So things that I post, it's like, it's very much things that I'm currently dealing with for the most part, or something I've dealt with in the past and things that have helped me, you know, work through something, overcome something, deal with something, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, we have, I have the same thing, like, at the beginning of doing this podcast, I was like, the, 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 the intention was different because I was thinking like, if I talk to different people, I'm going to get something from them. Like uh, if I, I, I started last year talking to psychics, to mediums and the energy healers, the new age tribes. And these are wonderful people. And then there's an expectation from my end that they're going to give something to me. But later on, I find I, there's something shifted. And I think I'm just doing this because I, I enjoy doing it. I like talking to people having different perspectives. And maybe we can start with how you started doing, uh, maybe your story. What's the story of Andrew? Like the, the, the thing I see about the people I talk to is that um, speaking for myself, like it started with I grew up Catholic, and I, I remember I, I, when I was a kid, I was I, I, I was drawn to the Bible, <laughs> and I was I saw I watched this CD of uh, testament testimonies of people having near death experience, and they saw like the burning fires of hell. And as a child, when you watch that content, it, there's trauma there. <laughs> and, then at, and then mental health, I was diagnosed with OCD and then there, I went to therapy. Uh, and then there's, there's a lot of spiritual seeking. <laughs> I was into different kinds of, I was into this search of, I don't know what I'm searching for, but it's nonstop until one day I just, I just figured out I, I don't know what I don't know what's this. I just I it, maybe you can share how your story unfolded. <laughs> Definitely. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks for sharing that with me. I think everyone it's interesting because everyone has their, you know, unique journey and it's all, you know, different pieces of this puzzle that we call the universe and I I don't know. It, mine has been has a lot of you know ups and downs, but yeah, I, I can just go into mine. So so basically, when it comes to mental health, mine sort of started at and like the low point that I've been able to work through and kind of get over, and has led me to everything I do now. Is through high school, I was I was I had probably a degree of social anxiety and just never really lived in the present moment and was constantly worrying about what other people thought, what other people thought of me, worrying about, you know, potential future scenarios that existed inside of my head and, and fearing what might happen and fearing, you know, the, the death of my ego. And it was all my ego, you know, fearing loss for the most part, whether it was loss of, of self or, loss of reputation or whatever. I realized that now back then I didn't realize what was going on. I was just caught up in it and didn't even realize that, you know, I, I was listening to this voice inside of my head that wasn't mine. And it got to a point that I basically got tired of it. I never went to formal therapy, but I got to a point that I, I just basically got sick of living that way. And I figured there must be a better way 
to live versus being worried and nervous and, and worrying about what people thought all the time. And so I started, you know, reading books, watching YouTube videos, researching, doing all of these things to figure out better ways to live. And it got me, and there's been lots of ups and downs since then, but, you know, it began with a degree of, of not caring what people thought, but I almost got caught up in this idea that I was trying to be someone who didn't care what people thought, as opposed to being myself, who doesn't care what people thinks, if that makes sense. There's like a little bit of a difference there. Like I was purposely doing things that were like ridiculous, which can be a way of getting through and working through those types of things. And it's all part of, of that sort of journey. And then uh, it led me to last year, sort of one of the final things was I was worried about how people would perceive me if I put myself out there on social media and fully, you know, went all in on social media stuff. And, and there was, that was a process of, of realizing that it was something that I wanted to do. And that's sort of like a story in itself, but uh, yeah, about this time last year, last July, August, I just said, you know, fuck it and started filming videos, put myself out there. And, you know, it's, it's brought me to this point now. So. Yeah. I, I resonate so much with your story because social anxiety is something that I also struggled with as a, when I was a kid, like, and also the caring what other people think it, it's it's a big challenge for me because it's I don't know it, it's part of how so, how this how society how this game of life is <laughs> because it's 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 mine it mind likes puzzles mind likes judging 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 <laughs> and I notice in your contents like I don't know it, this is just how I see it like if I I can make a summary of everything it's about it's about radical acceptance of what is. It's 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 the. I I don't know. I think this society has a lot of judgment, like judging you if body shaming. Uh, a lot of that's why anxiety comes with uh, arises, <laughs> and but your contents are fresh because it's it it deal it it deals with perspective, like. Uh, what one thing that I saw was the field of unknown possibilities. <laughs> like we don't know what's gonna happen after, yet our minds are fixated in one thing. <laughs> um, maybe uh, the question that comes up right now is, you you post a lot on social media, right? <laughs> like what 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 is what are the common questions that people ask you? Like, 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 what are what are the most common questions you receive, maybe on on a message or on a comment section? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I get a lot of different types of questions, but especially when it comes to and like the ones that I enjoy the most is is the question of, you know, whether it's in the workplace or in school, like the comparison to others. And I actually this one's. This one's fresh in my mind because I just got a DM this morning that I just sent a quick response to. And, and it was basically, it was this girl who I think she was, uh, she looked younger as far as I could tell from her profile, but maybe early twenties um, in the, in the workplace. And they have, it's, it sounds like it's some sort of, you know, sales type role where they literally keep a leaderboard in the office of like how people are doing and they're ranked. And she explained this and she was like, how can I not compare myself to others? Like you always talk about, don't compare yourself to others, whatever, like you can't compare yourself to others. Like, how do I do that in this environment? And so I, I my response wasn't super long, but I just touched on a couple things being that you like the way hold on, let me, let me try and remember exactly what I, what I sent to her. Um, it's, it's the realization. The key thing was the realization that you can't do better than your best. So, and, and that was her response was like, wow, that, that resonates a lot. And it's like, we think we have these comparisons to other people. And it's like that leaderboard right there is like a little slice of 
life and like the universe. It's like one single measurement and school is the same way. And there are lots of things that are little slices, but we, for some reason in our society, just like the way that it's been built, we have put a ton of weight on those specific things, like how we do in school, how we do in the work environment. And it's just one tiny little piece. So I think the realization, and it may not be helpful for everyone, but that you can't do better than your best. It's like, once you are working and and doing your best at it, like at the end of the day, that's all that you can ever do. There is nothing beyond that. You can't become more than yourself. You can't be better than the best that you can do. So whatever happens after that needs, it's like, needs to be accepted or else it will be pain and it will be suffering. And just because someone is, you know, higher up on that leaderboard doesn't mean they're higher up than you in life. Like at the end of the day, we are all equal. We are all the same thing. We can go into that more too, but it doesn't, it's not a measurement of her worth, which was, was the biggest piece. And I think that's what people get hung up on is like these measurements, whether it's grades or in the workplace or, or wherever are a measurement of their worth. And it, it isn't, you are always whole and complete exactly as you are right now, always, especially now we are, we are now. So it's, it's, we could not be otherwise. We can never be otherwise, but um, that, that was just one that, that I got this morning that, that I, I liked that question and going back and forth with her a little. Wow. Yeah. That, that, that's interesting. I, I, you mentioned the word there, suffering. <laughs> and then another, a, a question arose, like, what do you think is the root cause of suffering? Like if, 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 if in, your, in your perspective. <laughs> uh, denial. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, you see it with people. Sometimes people like to say, you know, just stay positive, just smile, just be happy, like just be happy. And I think there's a level to that that is beneficial. Like, you know, thinking positive thoughts can, you know, manifest in your life, but it's also, if you're only, if you think that if you don't think positive thoughts, then you're somehow a failure, then that's not living in reality. And it's not that you have to deny, or it's not that, well, I guess, I guess it is that you like acceptance is the first step to almost everything, but it's also not attachment. And there, there's like a, there's sort of a nuance there that I've been dealing with recently. And it, it's this idea that like, you know, with denial versus acceptance, well, what about when it comes to, you know, if you're, if you're feeling sick, like a lot of times, and I like to play sort of mind games on myself, just like if I'm starting to get a little bit of a sore throat, it's like, no, I'm not sick. I'm, I'm so grateful that I'm so healthy. And my, my entire body is healthy. And it's like, I think there's a difference between accepting that you're not feeling great, but then understanding that it's just your body not feeling great. And it's not actually you versus becoming attached to the idea that you are a sick person. And then it's like you build up this victim identity and you become identified with that sickness. So I'm jump, I feel like I'm jumping around a little bit here, but the difference between acceptance and denial and the acceptance of how you're feeling in that moment, getting away from the sickness aspect, just whatever it is that you're feeling like part of the human experience is to experience all the emotions, whether you're feeling sad or happy or not great one day and amazing the other day, like that is what is in that moment. So suffering comes when you deny those feelings and you think, oh, I'm feeling this emotion right now. I am feeling it, but I shouldn't be. And you need to suppress it. And that's how suffering gets built up because one of my favorite quotes is what you resist persists. So, you know, when you are feeling those things, it comes up, it's super normal to feel nervous, anxious, worried, as well as happy, grateful, amazing. And it's normal to feel both. So whatever comes up, 
you accept it. And through that acceptance, it passes through you. Like they're simply feelings, but it's the thoughts that you attach to them. It's the resistance of them. It's the attempt to suppress them, think they're bad to feel that we've sort of been conditioned to believe that, which leads to them, you know, not only sticking around, but a lot of times getting worse and, and the denial of those feelings is what keeps them around. And that to come back to your initial question is the best definition I can give of, of suffering and, and why. Oh, yes. That's very profound. I, I, I really like your, I really like the way you express it because I, I don't know, just the other day I posted, I have this playlist on my channel, like the diary of a nobody. And then I, I just, whenever I feel like I want to express something, I, I put it out there and then I said, it's like the only suffering that exists is the resistance to what is. <laughs> the mm -hmm. resistance to, I know people, the mind created this, this, if you're feeling sad, if you're feeling anxious, then that's, that's taboo to feeling happy or feeling mm -hmm. joyful. And then mm -hmm. some, sometimes, uh, you know, when you watch your video, sometimes, automatically you question like, what if sadness is not bad? <laughs> what if anxiety is not bad? <laughs> what if, what if, because I, I, with all, with due respect, with all respect to the people who created the concept of high vibration feeling and low vibration feeling, I, 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 I think there's no such thing <laughs> because every feeling is valid. <laughs> it's there because like what you said, it passes through, but ultimately it's not your identity. <laughs> It's not who you are. It's just, it, it arises because it wants to express that way. Just like when the rain wants to rain or a tornado wants to, to, to come up, you know. I, I, really, I really like what you said. It, it's really, I, know, I, I think you're, you have a lot of followers who are millennials, who, the, the young generation. And what I like about the young generation right now, it's, everybody's open to possibilities. <laughs> like I think the story unfolding right now is uh, people are breaking away from, from extremist rules. Like, like, like what I said earlier, the most struggle I have was the Catholic religion. I, I don't know if you also struggled with religion or, or- I, I grew up, yeah, I grew up Catholic. I'm not, I'm not Catholic anymore or religious I by any means. <laughs> the, I, I don't know, because I think that played a major role <laughs> in, in, I don't know, did it also like, did it also like create like a, a struggle with you growing up? Because like with me, I go to confession weekly <laughs> thinking that something will, you know, you feel so dirty because you're a sinner, you have so much guilt, but the guilt never ends because you keep confessing. Then there's authority, then there's people, there's fear about, there's a deity up there <laughs> judging every action you make. <laughs> and if you don't follow this commandment, you, you go straight here. And then, you know, it, I don't know, did you also struggle with uh, these kinds of uh, things? Yeah. Yeah. So my struggles were never as much with religion. I was pretty tied to it. I went to a Catholic school um, in middle school and high school, but my family, they're more, more so I would say nominally Catholic, um, not, you know, more so, you know, the Easter Christmas mass types. Um, but when you say, you know, talking about confession and the idea of guilt and shame. And that's sort of my, where my issues come in with it. And it's, it's the idea that it's rooted in fear and these concepts that, you know, if you do these things, you will burn in hell. But as long as you, you could be the worst person in the universe, but as long as you, you know, right before you die, you confess everything to a priest, then you'll, you know, live in heaven. And it kind of, it's this distorted view that like, oh, so you don't really have to be 
a good person, you just have to confess at the very end of your life and all's good. And it's like these ideas of shame. And, and, you know, if you, because it's this dual concept, this concept of duality being separate from every separate from everything else, separate from God, as opposed to being the expression of God manifested as a human, it's, it's the idea that, you know, if something good happens, it's by the grace of God, like God gave me this, God helped me with this. And then if you do something, you know, shameful, or that you feel guilty about, it's you as the sinner, like you're the sinning human. And it's all the blame is on you. So you just feel this tremendous amount of guilt and shame. And that's what keeps the cycle sort of rolling. And it's also just very much an attachment to a very specific belief system. And, you know, we can go more into religion if you want, but I think the reason, you know, that it gets perpetuated and, and has stayed around for so long is, is this feeling of safety. People want to find ways to feel safer because, you know, the, the idea that there aren't any answers and there is no ultimate truth that can be at least no ultimate truth that can be expressed in words is scary and it, it's confusing and it's it's there is no certainty in that but with religion there is certainty and people feel safe in that way but then they become attached to it and identified with it and then when there are certain things in religions that you know are hard and fast truths that are detrimental to society and or at least to certain groups of people like with you know with uh like lgbtq uh situation with most religions they are anti that and yet because all those people are tied to this belief system it's they believe with their whole heart that it's wrong to be that way and I think there just has to be a level or I hope there can be more levels of questioning your beliefs and your belief systems and where that comes from. And I just filmed, uh, I was the guest on a podcast a couple of days ago and uh, with this guy and we were talking about belief systems and, and where they come from and how important it is to at least not necessarily not believe in anything, but at least question where those beliefs come from, because especially with religion, you know, it comes from, you're born into it. You know, it's not like there is a bunch laid out there for you and you're like, Oh, that one sounds good. I'm going to, I'm going to do that one. It's like, no, you didn't really have a choice in it. And yet it becomes a major piece of your identity for a lot of people. And I don't know. So I guess just the questioning of beliefs, I think is extremely important and where they come from. <laughs> yeah. I like everything you said. It's it's how I, how the how my life unfolded in that way because ultimately we don't know. <laughs> ultimately, like like if you go mm -hmm. if you question and question and question, like how do you how do you talk? You don't know. You talk, but it it just happened. You you just you just mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I there's because I tried a lot of things. I I did ayahuasca. I did plant medicine, I did different things. And then I went back to, I really don't know what's this. <laughs> I really do not know what. And yet I, I thought that was a, a, that was a curse because I have a set of friends who are religious. I have a set of friends who are in the new age tribe and I have a set of friends who are in the radical non-duality aspects. There's no, like what Jim Carrey was saying, there's no me, there's no self. You do not exist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Alan Watts. And I feel like I'm in the middle. I'm confused where, 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 what, what, who's saying who, who's saying the truth. And mm -hmm. when you realize there's no ultimate truth because the finite mind cannot really <laughs> comprehend the vastness of the universe. then I feel like that's a blessing because it, you're open to the infinite possibilities of anything. I do. I, I agree with you fully that, that I think in our society, in our cultures, there's, it's to say, I don't know, 
and I'm not sure is like the worst thing you can ever do. I, I disagree with that completely, but you know, in school or in the workplace, it's like saying, I don't know. It, it makes you, people think less of you at times, but so instead they prefer you to just, you know, bullshit an answer. And it's like, where is that getting anyone? Like why, whoever said it was a bad thing to not know. And I think that's where, you know, true knowledge comes from is holding on to the idea that you're not sure of anything, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure what's real. I don't even know. I don't even know if I'm Andrew for sure. I don't, I I'm coming closer to the feeling that I'm not, <laughs> you know, and it's like the, this identi extreme identification with self is where a lot, a lot of, you know, negative feelings stem from. It's like, when have you ever gotten anxious about something that isn't related to the self and the idea that you are this human? I don't, I can't think of any. So, so coming to the realization that maybe you're not, maybe you're just aware of them, just experiencing them, but you're not them, you know, what, what really is the difference between the human and their environment, if the environment is impacting them and they are impacting the environment no differently. And you are, you're aware of both of them. Like where, where is the line drawn? And if it's at the skin, isn't that just an illusion because the skin is made up of the same particles and molecules as everything around it. <laughs> so uh, I've been digging into that stuff a lot recently, the last two months or so. And it's been very, very interesting because if you're not this human character, this, this meat suit, then you don't really have, there's not as much, if anything, to gain or lose. And that's all that fear, worry, desire are, are the fear of, you know, this type of loss in the eyes of the universe or, or this feeling of gain and becoming, becoming more. Um, but it, it, it just, all of those things just deepen this identity with self. And I think maybe the realization that there is, there is no self might be might be the key or at least very helpful. Yeah, it's, it's, I think that is one of the root cause of suffering also, like when you're too identified with the self, with the history of the person, with the, with, with everything, like you, you, you think, like, what if you're not, what if you're not who you think you are? <laughs> like mm -hmm. I remember one of your videos, who are we? And not many. I, I I feel like asking you like what what did you also struggle with existential like with me? I'll tell you a, a, a piece of my story. Like one of the most difficult existential crises I had was the question of do we have free will or not? <laughs> like when I say I, when you experiment, like I will think of blank. You don't know what that blank is. It something will pop up, and it's not you creating that. Like I will think of the color blank. <laughs> something will come up, but it's not you create. So I was like, so there's if there's no free will, then I'm just life's puppet. <laughs> life is so if life wants me to be a criminal, or life wants me to throw me in jail, like, or if life wants me to die tomorrow, then I have no say in that. <laughs> I have no choice. <laughs> But then it feels like I'm making the choice. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it, it, it took me a lot of crisis before like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> I don't mm -hmm. care if, I don't care about that question, free will or no free will, but I don't know, do you, what, do you also have like that existential crisis? <laughs> Definitely, I go back and forth about free will quite a bit. And I do have, a take and some thoughts on it for sure. And so you mentioned life's puppet, you know, feeling like your life's puppet. And I think from, from my understanding is that we're not life's puppet, but we are life. And depending on the perspective you take, there is, or there isn't free will. And I think the free will aspect is that we are unified life, the universe, 
source, however you want to describe it, that decided, I don't know if decided is the right word, but it basically, we'll just use it, decided that it wanted to experience form. And then it wanted to create this illusion of separateness for no reason besides to experience it and eventually come back to the realization that we aren't separate and there is no separation. So the free will is that we, us, you and me being the same universal conscious awareness chose to essentially divide or create this illusion of separateness. And now there we have built up, you know, these ego identities that we are separate when it's all just this massive illusion. So from that aspect, there is free will because we are the embodiment of that free will to create this illusion to experience it. But if you look at it from the self, the illusory self, I don't think there is free will for the self. Like Andrew doesn't necessarily have free will because if you think about it, what causes any decision that you ever make outside of your past experiences and your DNA and your subconscious programming? And if those, and did you have a choice in those things? Did you choose your DNA? Did you choose, you didn't choose your parents or your upbringing or your subconscious programming? And if those are all the things that are deciding what you decide, then do you have a choice? But even though if we don't have a choice, I don't, I also don't think that it's necessarily the best way to go about things for a lot of people because they get into this existential dread and thinking like, oh, well, if I don't have a choice, I might as well not do anything. And it's like, okay, but you also didn't have a choice to think, oh, if I don't have you know, a choice, then I shouldn't do anything. Like that was what you were always going to think. Like me picking up this can of sparkling water, like right now, everything leading up in my life that led up to me being on this podcast, talking about this idea, and then using this as an example of like, that's a choice that I just made, but was it really my choice? So bring it back. Is that is it the best way to think that you don't have a choice or is it okay to think that you do and whether you do or you don't wasn't necessarily your choice either, but moving forward, I think it's very much okay for people to, to think that they do have a choice in things or else they can get into this existential dread. But then when you look back at your life, everything leading up to things led up to that exact choice that you made and just one more side of it. So when it ties into things like judgment, I think it's important to remember that there is no free will in the sense of the individual illusory self. And so it brings about this idea of compassion that, you know, this person is acting in this way, even the most horrible among us, it was every, it was exactly what they were always going to do. And it's not that you should succumb to the idea that you have no choice. So like, why do anything? Like inaction is equally a choice, just the same as action is, but it does bring about when it comes to judgment, this compassion for other people that, you know, they're acting in this way, but, you know, if free will is a bit of an illusion, then you wouldn't judge them as much. And if you traded, you know, Adam for Adam experience for experience with someone else, it's a good chance you would act exactly as they did, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was brilliant. There's a lot of clarity in everything you said. It's, there's a lot of, I don't know, it, it's, it's very clear and, and, and it's, I remember William Shakespeare said like this, it's a, it's a stage and everybody are just players, are, are just characters playing their roles. And just like when you bury the seed on the ground, it, 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 it grows into a tree. It, 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 it doesn't have like a choice where it, 
where where will how many branches will I? But it it you know that deep inside, beyond experience and words, it's all is well. All, everything is happening exactly or unfolding as it should be, <laughs> and that's that's one of the things I like about your contents. Also, is is I remember you said like. In a way, it's like the the message of your vid of your one of your videos was. Does the tree have a rule where it's a better tree or it's living the best tree or, <laughs> because humans we we have that self judgment to ourselves where oh I'm not living the best life, what if what if the best life is where you are right now, what if there's no comparison to uh, another better, <laughs> and that that's that's. That's where the pressure is get lift gets lifted off <laughs> when whenever maybe when people watch your videos it, it's it's something that I think people right now a lot of people need because everybody's pressuring each other <laughs> everybody's like you have to do you have to go to this school you have to you have to have to have to have to and I, I, I for some for, for a time, I was allergic to the word should have or need to or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I was wondering if, I, I always ask this one, like the, the topic fear of death, <laughs> because I think at the bottom line, it's one of the, like, it, there's a research that says public speaking and fear of death are the top two, <laughs> the top two fear of most humans. I don't know if what's your take on it. Like, mm -hmm. uh, how how do you feel about uh, death? <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny you bring those two up because I think they're actually more similar than people think when we take into account the idea of the self and the ego. Because public speaking, if the, the fear is not that you will do an amazing job. The, feel, the fear is that you will stumble on your words, forget what you're saying, do poorly, et cetera, et cetera. And in a sense, that is death of the ego. And death, as we see in the world, is no different. When you realize that you are not the ego, you are not this individual self, you are the universe experiencing itself, creating this illusion of separateness, and you are simply the awareness of this human meat suit. I, you know, Andrew starts getting worried or nervous. Who knows this? I do. I'm not nervous. I'm not worried. I'm aware that Andrew is feeling worried, but I am not this character of Andrew. Andrew is just what they call this human meat suit and so death and like death of the body and the fear of public speaking being like at least a detriment to or like a diminishment of this self like if you're afraid that if you do a poor job at it that you will experience a form of death and it's no more than the death of the ego and death is also the death of the ego so I'm not going to come on here and say that I'm not afraid of death because <laughs> these concepts are still, you know, new to me relatively, like the realization I had of like this understanding that maybe I'm not Andrew is very recent for me, like about it hit me about two months ago, but I think the deeper I go into that, the less I will fear death because really it isn't, it's not the end of me. It's the end of Andrew. And I'm not Andrew, so it, it's more so the death of the Mitsuit avatar, you know, just like a tree dies and life comes up out of it. And we are aware of that. We will be aware of the death of humans and whatnot. And it will simply be the death of the illusion. And we will once this illusion ends, we will inevitably go back to the realization that we are not separate and that we are one eternal awareness, eternal, eternally now, as now is all there ever, ever is, and everything else is nothing 
but an illusion. And this is where the play of form is unfolding. And that's all we are partaking in to a degree. So, so both of those fears are not so different. And when it comes to death, I think I do, you know, I'm not fully disidentified from Andrew by any means. I'm not going to, you know, lie and say that I, that I am, but I've gotten closer. And with that, I think that fear has definitely decreased to a degree. It, everything you said is is music <laughs> to my ears. It's I, I really I I like listening to how you express it because yeah, the death of the body is not the end of you. <laughs> the because if you notice it, like this is how I see it. Like when you were a child, you were like when you were a baby. There's not much consciousness. You're not so conscious about <laughs> everything. But there's this presence. You, you're aware you're alive. <laughs> but but then things change. Your beliefs change. <laughs> your thoughts change. The way you see things change. But there's something, there's an element that does not change amidst the changing. So, and that, that's, that, that, that was the one that gave me the assurance that there's something here that's not changing. <laughs> and I, if I use the mind to label that, I will, the mind likes to, piece puzzles to solve mysteries. So, but when I'm just open to the possibility, then there's this assurance. <laughs> there's a subtle piece that if, if this body form dies, I, something will continue <laughs> and mm -hmm. something will persist. <laughs> um, and, that's, and that's you. <laughs> And yeah, when you, when you say, you know, as a, as a baby, we are, we are still in this belief or, or we are nothing more than the awareness. We have not yet built up our, like this veil of ego, this illusion of ego has not yet been built up, which basically gets, you know, pounded into us until the age of nine or 10. And then, and then we fully believe that we are separate and that we are this character fully and and when we're you know when we're born there isn't that there is simply the awareness and through it all the thing that isn't changing is the present awareness the the present moment always is always has been always will be and the idea and one of the first about two months ago when i started to realize like maybe i'm not andrew the something I realized before that is what if this idea of past, like that is basically where all of our fears and worries come from. Like worry, anxiety is about living in the future, but it's all based on the past. You know, we can't really worry about something happening if it's never happened to us, or at least we, we rarely do, or at least something similar in that way. So I started thinking if, you know, this moment is the only thing there ever is, and maybe I'm not this character, maybe I don't have a past. And like, how would I feel if I didn't have a past? And I was just aware right now, always, and there was no past. There's still maybe some memories or some ideas that exist inside of my head, but they're not personal. They're no longer, you know, things that happened to Andrew or things that happened to me. Maybe they happened to Andrew, but if I'm not Andrew, then they're no longer personal and they're just memories. So they're just things that I become aware of seemingly seems like somewhere inside of my head, but if they're no longer personal, then they just arise and fall away. There's nothing to attach anything. There's no attachment to them anymore. So if there is no, if I have no past, so if, if, you know, the present moment is the only thing there ever is, then maybe, maybe I actually don't have a past. And if I don't have a past, I feel like that for a lot of people is extreme, can be extremely freeing because that is how we build up this identity. And we believe that we are nothing more than the conglomeration of our past and all of the trauma and shit we've been through and all of the great things we've accomplished, like that gets boxed up into the idea of who 
we are, who Leonard is, who Andrew is. And it's nothing more than an idea. And we aren't that idea. We are not this human meat suit. We are the awareness of all of it. So if they start thinking about their past, then we are not, we aren't thinking about the past. We're aware that this human is thinking about something that happened in the past, but it isn't us. And so we don't have a past. And if you're able to, and it's been, I've been in and out of it for sure. But if I think like, I don't actually have a past and it's like, it really like shoots you into the present moment in a way that's like, wow, like I'm just aware. I'm just the awareness of this human and their environment no differently. I'm aware of the computer sitting in front of me as well as I'm aware that, you know, Andrew's knee itches or something, you know, it's, it's an equal awareness and that awareness is us. Yes, (laughs) I like it. It's an equal playing field. It's a neutral Mm -hmm. awareness in everything. Like Mm -hmm. there's no specialness to the awareness there and the awareness here because it's all, it's just one. (laughs) I I, I, I was about to ask like my, like my last few questions, but I, I don't know if I can ask you your take on reincarnation or because I've, I've asked this to some, to my previous podcast, maybe your perspective on it. Like there was a research of one doctor, I think where he interviewed kids and they remember previous lives. And I, I was drawn to that last year it, 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 I, I focus on it with so much importance, not realizing it's just an aspect of reality. It's not like the whole, but what, what's your take on it? Like near-death experiences of like, I don't know, remembering their previous life, the previous life of the person, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I have, admittedly, I haven't. I've, I've read into a little bit of that. I forget that guy's name, but I have looked him up and read into it a bit and quite frankly i don't i don't know i don't have a strong opinion on reincarnation haven't done a ton of thinking about it but in the sense of you know if if we were say reincarnation was real like if we aren't these characters and these characters are nothing more than a bundle of ideas and organs and skin. And if there were reincarnation, would we know what we were? Like, it, I wouldn't be reincarnated as Andrew. I would be reincarnated as the awareness. But the awareness is also you. And the awareness is everyone and everything. So there's may not be reincarnation of this in the sense that I die and then I become something else. If I am the awareness of everything, the universe aware of itself, then I am you. And if I, if Andrew dies, I'm still everything and everywhere. So, so it's, it's still attached to the idea that we are very much separate ego selves. And if that's an illusion, then reincarnation may not exist in the way that we, that we think. And so I'm not, I'm not sure, but then, but then again, you know, say for example, like it was real and there was this sort of ego identity that was reincarnated and the ego did exist in that sense, then I'm not banking on, given the vastness of the universe, being able to experience a human again. Like next time I might be a tree or, you know, a little ant that gets squashed after being alive for two days. So I I don't know. I don't think about it too much. But when I do, I just mostly stick to being grateful for being able to experience a human right now uh because it's, it's pretty cool <laughs> and we have a lot of things you know we can we can do and it's with even with all how difficult it can be 
working through the human experience. Uh, it is when you think about it pretty cool. And if you think about it, you know, like we're just in this massive, super realistic feeling video game, you know, it's not really that different than what we're in right now. And who's to say that it isn't. And I think, you know, I, I talk about this sometimes, but I think the only difference between people thinking that they're in a super realistic video game and versus, you know, being in real life is that there's less of an identification with self or fear of loss or internal dialogue going on. Like, imagine if we were in a video game right now, we would just be doing things that we enjoy. And, you know, we're both, I think right now doing something we enjoy. So if we were in a video game, we would be in the same exact situation. And it doesn't mean that in a video game, you can just, you know, if you go out and murder someone, like you're still going to spend the video game in jail. So like that doesn't change. Or if you want to buy something, you still have to earn money in order to have that to buy something. So like that doesn't change. So like what really is the difference? I think there's just less heavy identification with self, which leads to, you know, the worry and fear and anxiety of me becoming less or, you know, the, the desire and, and greed for wanting to become more. And it's just that those sorts of illusions get a little bit quieter if you were to think of things like that. Oh, yeah. So some people say you travel lighter. <laughs> you you're not carrying that story of who you think you are and yet you're just enjoying things the way it is <laughs> yes exactly. oh, that's that's the key that's what you know there's been buddhist masters out there who have said you know they've been asked you know what is enlightenment like and you know they'll say well it's really not so different it's just that you know when i'm brushing my teeth i'm brushing my teeth when i'm eating a sandwich, I'm eating a sandwich. When I'm doing the laundry, I'm doing the laundry. When I'm talking to a friend, I'm talking to a friend. So it's, it is no different besides just less of that internal dialogue and that thinking and, and fear and regret and worry and all of those emotions that only exist because of the mind and because of the identification with this self and this form. So there really is, you know, like, like you said, <laughs> chop wood, carry water, <laughs> before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water, after enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I asked, I asked this question with, I think I'll, most of the people I talk to, but sometimes I forgot, to, but the, like, if, if I am a lost this is one of my last questions. Like if I'm a lost seeker or I feel confused, I, I, what would like, or maybe I'm suffering or in any way, shape or form, like uh, uh, what would you tell me? <laughs> so that's a good question. Um, I, think, I think it's important, first of all, to go into that a little bit, not necessarily just go in with, with some blanket advice to, to figure out why they are feeling that way. I think a lot of that stems from comparison feeling, especially what I see with younger kids, younger than me, I'm 26 now, but you know, the 10 to 20 year olds with social media is the, the comparison to others and seeing everyone's, you know, highlight reels out there and thinking that you are less than that or, or comparing yourself to someone who just seems very happy. And if you aren't feeling the same way all the time, you just feel less and get depressed because of this comparison. And at the end of the day, like when someone asks, like, how do you not get jealous of other people, the, the main thing that has helped me is the realization that I don't know anyone. I don't truly know a single person, even the people closest to me, because like good friends, for example, like 
as close as we may be, I don't know what their family life is like exactly behind closed doors. I don't know what their past is like, and I don't know what goes on inside of their head. And that's the biggest one is you don't know what goes on inside of someone's head as much as they may say or look like they're happy or say that they're happy. You can never truly know because they could just be putting on a facade. You don't know what's going on inside of them. So when you're able to realize that you don't know anyone and even the people who seem the happiest and may they might be super happy and that's amazing too, but, but for the most part, you don't know and you'll never know. And even the person who seems the happiest may not actually be, they may be struggling even more than you are. And you're struggling because you think they're not, and you think you should be feeling that way too. And so once, once you're able to internalize this idea that everyone might just be struggling as much as you, it kind of takes, at least takes a little bit of that weight off. And that's why I think it's, it's super important, especially for people with platforms to share how they're feeling and show both sides. You know, I'm able to be happy most of the time, stay positive most of the time, but sometimes I have shitty days and sometimes I have shitty weeks and I try to share that as much as I can. And for some reason, people with big platforms think that they should hide those things and, you know, not share because, you know, people are coming to my platform for positivity. Like, I don't want to let them down. It's like, no, that's actually probably more helpful than any content you've ever created because it shows people that they're not alone. And I think that over, over anything is that when people start to feel down, just going back to your initial question, they think that they're alone. They think that they're the only person who feels this way, the only person that's ever felt this way. And through sharing and through people being just more open and more vulnerable about their insecurities, about things they're struggling with, about things they're afraid of, people will begin those who are struggling, who are doing it, you know, in silence, will start to realize that they're not alone. And that, and they're never alone. And that is, that is more or less the key, I think, at least in my experience is seeing people out there who seem like they have it all together, seeing that they don't always has been more helpful than any, you know, motivational quote I've ever seen. Oh, the authentic, the raw, the raw side of who you are. That's yeah, to me, that's more helpful also because when I see a teacher who's so perfect, the mind goes to like, I need to be that. <laughs> I need mm -hmm. to be, I need to be as perfect as that, rather than what if this the realness here does not have a problem? <laughs> what if the the that teacher and the student here is just in the same playing field. <laughs> oh, thank you. That that's that's a very good message. <laughs> I I thought of it. I, I I thought of asking this. Like, if if you have if you can have an opportunity to put up a billboard <laughs> that the world can see with a one line and two lines on it, like, what would the message be? <laughs> Uh, hmm. I guess probably, uh, it's related to what we've talked about today, but probably something like you are perfectly whole and complete exactly as you are right now. And if it were, if I were to get more lines, something like there's nothing you can ever possibly do to make yourself more complete than you are right now. And there's nothing you can ever possibly do to make yourself less complete than you are right now. That that's that alone is a wake up call. <laughs> if you feel unworthy, if you feel like a shit, you're having a shitty day or a bad day, because I think that's just the play of life, hiding itself in the play of unworthiness, knowing inherently that it's already worthy, <laughs> but it wants to play. <laughs> it's the energy of playfulness so it wants to believe it's unworthy <laughs> it wants to believe it's this or that oh thank you 
that's that's a very good one yes <laughs> yeah how can like how can people follow your contents and maybe you have social your social media accounts or maybe you're yeah. i don't know if you're already like doing your one-on-ones or or how i don't know maybe you can invite yeah <laughs> Yeah, of course. Um, I do have I do have a link in my in my bio for one on one stuff. I am I've not started that yet. I am going to very soon. I've been yeah, that's a whole other conversation. But I've definitely been procrastinating with that. Um, I've been traveling a little bit, and I'm I'm moving into back into I've lived in New York the last couple of years, um, and I'm moving back. I signed an apartment lease last week, so I'm moving back next week. Long story short, gonna start with one on ones soon after that and a lot more content, a lot more podcast episodes, et cetera. Um, but when it comes to social media, uh, I'm on most of the platforms. Uh, TikTok is Andrew underscore Murnane. Uh, Instagram is a dot Murnane. Uh, YouTube is Andrew Murnane. And then my podcast is just the Andrew Murnane podcast. And that's on Apple, Spotify. I think, I think all the podcast platforms, but Yes, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. I, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for accepting this invite. I I really enjoyed it. And I'm sure the people who are going to watch this, it will definitely help in any way, shape, or form. Maybe thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me, Leonard. Really appreciate it. Had, had a great time chatting with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me too.